Oh, I can't hear the music. Oh. <laughs> Dancing. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Dawncast. My name is Kathy Ngo. And I'm Di Lee. And today we have Crystal Kinsella Christie joining us from Port Macquarie, the nice relaxing town of Port Macquarie. Thank you for joining us, Crystal. Thanks for having me. Yeah, look, look. I think it's in terms of you know what's happening out there in in society at the moment, and I, I notice you you're such a great advocate for um, you know the indigenous community in terms of business. You know, you're a, a, a proud Aboriginal role model, uh, an owner of the uh, you know uh, managing director of the Indigenous Professional Services. So I thought, look, I'd just love to get you on because we seems like we don't hear much. Um, in the media, in terms of the various communities that have been impacted by COVID-19. And I know that you've been just working so hard uh, in that space. Um, tell us, what's, how's, how is it impacting the, uh, the Indigenous community? Yes, it, it definitely is. So um, the Indigenous business community is actually quite a, a vibrant and diverse uh, business community. There are, there are approximately 12,000 Indigenous businesses across Australia and a lot of them, the demographic is mostly small to medium enterprises. There are some larger companies and um, government in, and corporate Australia are our biggest buyers and um, that's because of the introduction of the Indigenous procurement policy mm. and also in corporate sector, Business Council of Australia has also um, set some targets. So for a lot of um, small businesses... Uh, for a lot of Indigenous businesses, being small businesses, we've seen a massive freeze up um, and a stop on, on procurement. So while um, government's sorting out its response to, to COVID-19, um, it's put a freeze on, on new procurements in a lot of areas. And so, you know, that, that um, stops a pipeline of, of, of work that flows to Indigenous businesses. So for my business in particular, we do a lot of face-to-face -face delivery um, and a, a lot of engagements got postponed, a lot of engagements got cancelled. And for me, that, that um, had a really severe impact on obviously my revenue, yeah. my revenue forecast. And um, it has meant that I've had to you know, reduce costs, which includes obviously reducing staffing numbers. And so, you know, that's never a nice thing to do, it's but been. it's happening quite a lot. Um, you know, my business is not alone. I'm, I'm talking to a lot of Indigenous businesses that are going through the same thing where, you know, they had work and it's just, uh, you know, being postponed or, or put on hold. So, so in terms of the stimulus package that the government has just announced, um, uh, uh, is um, is you know are indigenous uh, businesses able to tap into that? Yeah, like every other business, obviously, um, there's an eligibility criteria for um, you have to be able to demonstrate um, certain criteria to be to be eligible, and uh, a lot of it is you know reductions in not having to pay pay as, pay as you go tax, which does have benefit, but. I think in the short term, cash is gold at the moment. And so having, you know, an active revenue stream and, and being able to forecast future revenue is, is critical critically important. When the, um, the government announced the JobKeeper um, wage subsidy, we, we thought that was um, something as well that would be really ideal, obviously, to help keep staffing numbers at what they are, mm. um, um, which is, you know, obviously of, of great benefit. 
But I think for, for me and what I've been advocating really strongly is around, you know, um, these stimulus is fantastic. They're great. They help. But why not just keep the door open to procurement? You've still got to operate. And government's one of the most largest buyers. They spend $50 billion a year. Keep your procurement flowing because then that will keep a pipeline of work for Indigenous businesses. And in terms of you, when you're talking about keeping procurement open, um, what is that? What kind of procurement are you asking the government to keep open? Whatever they usually buy. So federal government departments and portfolios, they have an annual procurement plan. So they, they forecast a year in advance of what they're going to procure. Um, so we're, we're just saying, you know, continue with your plans around whatever you're going to purchase for the year. I mean, even though they've gone to a lot of remote uh, working now across yeah. different departments, obviously to to meet the social distancing requirements, yeah. they still they still got to you know operate as as an organisation. So um, you know you still require staff training. You should still you sh- you should still purchase that. Um, you know staff still need stationery at home. That doesn't mean you stop buying stationery. Um, so, you know, just I think whatever was existing, continue on with. I mean, the only challenge at the moment is is where you, you if you're a service provider of things that are face-to-face and we have those restrictions. So everything else should be still going, you know, guns blazing ahead. And so how are you progressing in that co- with that conversation with uh, the various, uh, obviously, you know, um, people, you know, government agencies that, um, that requires procurement from... Um, from, from your business or, or Indigenous businesses? Yeah, look, I'm just, all I'm just talking to government departments about is just don't freeze, keep moving and let's try and work in new ways. And I've, I have had some success where I have managed to be able to talk to um, different uh, organisations and government departments and, and get them to come on the journey with us and say, okay, look, we used to do that face-to-face. Now we're going to jump on and do it virtually via Zoom. Um, let me pilot pilot it and show you just exactly how it works. Um, and, you know, by giving them a taste of what, what, what can happen in an online virtual environment, um, you know, they're more and more going, yeah, I, oh, yeah, actually we can, we can do that. So, for instance, I had an opportunity um, that I'm still in a tender process for, but it was to do some stakeholder engagement. And initially this particular um, client, potential client, said to me, look, we think we're going to freeze this procurement. You can't do stakeholder engagement with the current restrictions. And I, I, you know, I argued back and I said, well, actually, it depends on how you're looking at it. If you think about where a lot of people are spending a lot of time at the moment, it is online, online. it is through social media. Yep. And I do believe that we can um, change the stakeholder engagement model to be an online virtual model, us- utilising um, various tools such as FaceTime, Messenger, Facebook and, um, and Zoom to be able to get you the same result but just using different vehicles. And they were really, really receptive to it when I when I gave them a model. Um, and they said, okay, we're gonna um, we're gonna continue with this procurement and um, we're gonna get you to um, scope, we're gonna scope up that that particular piece of work and get you to re um, quote for that. So I was like, yes, 
winning, winning. So yeah. if we can get more and more um, other organisations and governments and corporates to do the same thing, and it, it really is is just being really open-minded and going, okay, this is the new norm, this is the way we've got to operate, let's just try to do something different. Do you find governments have the most pushback to this new way of working or do you find it consistently with some of the other industries that you've, you're working with at the moment? Yeah, I think some are more receptive than others and I think it just depends on how much they're using technology internally and whether they're sort of very a traditional orientated um, organisation or department um, or whether they're not. So, you know, I think there's a lot of fear that it has existed, um, you know, if you think from, from a workplace perspective around, you know, um, people, responses to people working from home, you know, it's always been, oh, do we trust people enough? Yeah. Are they going to be productive? And now we're for, forced, forced into, <laughs> into yeah. this scenario. Forced, yeah. You know, we're forced into this scenario. And I think what's going to, what I believe will come through more and more is people are actually quite productive once they've got a, a set routine around working from home and they've adjusted to that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do feel that some some departments are, are very more receptive and others are like they're still trying to get their head around mm. um around what it what it what it could look like and, and what it can mean i mean that's the future of work now isn't it it looks like that's i, I mean almost i mean yes. everybody will have to be online everybody will have to utilize technology really that's right. Like 100%. If you, yeah, if you don't yeah, move with and the I just times. Think this is the yeah. new, I think it's the new norm. I don't yeah. actually believe we'll ever go back to post-COVID-19 mm. the way we were exactly. I think what we'll, we'll continue to see now is an evolution of more people working from, from home and more um, online and virtual delivery of a whole range of products and services. Because mm, you're talking about all those all those government agencies being traditional, surely they must. This is the moment where they have to, they have to seize the moment yeah. and actually ensure that they transform the way that they work and operate. Yeah. Um, you know, in the next yeah. few months, really, there's yeah. this urgency, don't you think? Yeah. And at the end of this, they're going to be like, "Well, this isn't as scary as we thought." <laughs> the rest of the world went through this journey as well. You know, exactly. We're all in it together, and yeah, I think, yeah, I think once you, once people get really comfortable with this 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 sort of people working more remotely, I think um, you know we will start to you know I think it'll just start to flow. I mean, I think probably one of the challenges people will will tr will start to grapple with is is managing teams and building relationships from a remote point of view, um, you know, because you, you miss that kind of the office the office yeah. banter and when people are right directly in front of you. Uh, I think, you know, getting used to setting up sort of systems and ways of working so that, you know, you're, you're keeping lines of communication open and, and still having visibility. Yeah, and the dyna dynamics are, as well, mm. the dynamics yeah. of, of engagement. Um, you know, yeah, in terms of what a human, definitely. Yeah. Um, how, how, is the, how does the Aboriginal community um, feel about the whole coronavirus? What's their um, response to that? Could you, what did you, could you just ask that question again, sir? How does the Aboriginal community feel about coronavirus, the COVID-19? What's their, uh, you know, perspective on that? 
I think everybody's taking the coronavirus very, very seriously. If you think about the life expectancy of the average Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person, we we live a shorter life, you know. So if I think in my family alone, my grandparents, my maternal grandparents, both um, passed away in their 60s. And so what we've seen is, you know, a number of the fatalities are people that are of, or of an age. And so for Indigenous people across Australia, we're very fearful if the virus is to get into our remote and regional communities because we have a lot of older people um, and we're, we're scared that it could, in fact, wipe out whole communities um, where you've got a lot of a lot of people who also have very poor health as well in, in some circumstances. So, you know, we... Um, there's been a lot of investment in in the health um, sector for Indigenous people, but we still are quite disadvantaged in that in that respect. So, um, we have a lot of chronic illnesses. You know, there's lots of kidney failure, diabetes, you know, um, yeah. heart problems, yeah. asthma, all of those. And so, you know, you add another layer of of a a, a virus like this that causes such um, respiratory issues, yeah. um, you know, we're even more susceptible to, to experience fatalities around it. Um, is there any, have you heard of any, um, uh, you know, Indigenous person who've, who've had COVID-19 yet or in the community? Have you heard anything? Yeah, I have. There were there are a couple of um, Aboriginal people that are on Twitter that I have seen that had been overseas, right. and um, they came back and they did test positive. and um, And I've been just sort of following the following their journey. Apparently, they were on the same plane as Peter Dutton um, coming back from the <laughs> US. So that's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I've I've only heard I've only heard of those two particular cases. Um, yeah, I haven't heard of anybody else at this point. I mean, even in my local community, Port Macquarie, um, I mean, the number of cases here has been rising quite rapidly and it, it has been quite a little bit quite yeah, a little bit scary because we are a small community and to have 30 cases here in, in just the local community, if you, if you put that into to contrast uh, against other places, that's it, pretty high. Yeah, it does feel quite high. Um, so how are you looking after yourself amongst all of this? Because I'm sure like it's it's quite a triggering time. So how are you looking after yourself and your family? Like you've got a young 18-month-old son and um, he's still yeah. quite young. So how are you looking after yourself? To me, um, routine is, is gold. And so for me, it's just about managing a routine. So I've got my daughter that um, has been off school for four weeks um, being homeschooled here, working um, everything online. My baby is still going to childcare. Um, and his childcare centre only has a few children that are still uh, attending. And so he's still attending because I have to, to run a business and I can't. Um, oh, I, I tried, say, how do you, how I you tried to have him at home for, four, for a whole week and it didn't go very well. <laughs> so I. I I put him in, and so luckily um, the childcare centre actually had more available places because so many people pulled their kids out. Yeah. So I was very lucky around that. But look, I, mental health for me is is something that's really important, and I, I am very fearful around 
um, my family and, and my friends in the broader community around people's mental health at this time. Absolutely. I go down to the beach once a day, 30 minutes every day down to the beach, and that's just to go for a walk and, and you know, really ground myself, get fresh air. I get up, I do a routine. I've hired gym equipment from my gym. So I do a, a gym workout in the morning. That's good. With <laughs> and, um, you know, and I just I sort of make sure that I've got some parameters around my work as well. So, you know, I, I stop for breaks. I'm not trying to work after hours, but try and fit it into set hours that work around um, the kids and, and their needs as well. And just staying in contact with people. I, I can't, I've had so many video calls with people that ordinarily we would just text and I think because everybody's feeling it mm. um you know so I've got some you know my family and, and friends in Sydney and and also nationally and yeah I'm just facetiming people I'm using zoom I'm on messenger for video calls and just staying in contact even more mm. I was one of those really bad people that um I travel a lot and you know and when you're in front of people I, I'm doing lots of training and, and public speaking you do get really tired because mm, you, you're giving draining. yourself all day and so yeah. I'd be one of those people that would be a bit of a hermit at, at night <laughs> um I don't answer my phone I, I just text people and and really poor communicator <laughs> but now I found um I'm, I'm really um really out there just you know trying to keep tabs on everybody and and I'm, I'm really quite enjoying ch the check-ins the video chats and and just seeing people's faces because yeah, I'm, I'm not out and about and I'm yeah. not travelling. And, um, yeah, I mean, I took 133 flights last year oh and I was away for home, 74 <laughs> nights. And before before COVID hit, um, I'd actually been on 33 flights this year. So oh um, it's really, it has 100% grounded me yeah. and made yeah. me really think about um, how important that, you know, communication you know, um, is, mm. and um, I think that I can't change now that I've, I've, I'm, you know, more actively communicating with my family and friends. Yeah. So f finding that, to, are you finding time to reflect as well? I mean, like you know, like you said, you've been on the, you know, on the plane, obviously having your life, you know, flying from one place to, to another, advocating continuously. Um, for for somebody like that, I just actually did a post this morning. Um, for somebody who's constantly on the move, to suddenly be forced forced to be grounded and not move how yeah. did you deal with that initially like emotionally mentally how did you deal with that I think the first week felt like a real um I don't know a real bit of a blur so actually it was it's really funny because when I've came home from traveling I'd been to Cairns Adelaide and Sydney all in the case of one week and I come back and I actually fell sick and my daughter was sick, my son was sick, so we're all sick. So I had a week of, you know, really down being unwell. And then the next week the reality really s sunk in and I think it felt like a bit of a blur. I was like, oh, what's what's going on? And then last week I really went, actually, I need to get a really established routine. And so, you know, I mean, I'm only, only early in the piece, but... Mm. Um, just putting in some, you know, good parameters and, and setting up the routine. This is, I, I love structure. I thrive of structure. Mm. Um, has really helped me just keep a, a, a real level head. But, yeah, I think, you know, being sick for a week, then going, oh, gosh, what's going on? I mean, I felt like I was on a bit of a roller coaster. And um, for me, I, you know, I just reached out to, to people that 
um, a good solid mentors of mine and just talk through how I was feeling. And um, I've been really busy. Like (laughs) I think that's really helped as well. And just doing odd jobs around the house. Like I've had painting I needed to do. And I spent some time doing some painting and, you know, I rearranged my pantry. I rearranged my wardrobe. <laughs> Did you do the Marie Kondo? <laughs> the Marie Kondo. <laughs> but, uh, we- but all these little things that you just take for granted because you never have any time. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. so true because over the weekend I suddenly I was like, I feel like doing weeding today. <laughs> so I was just with my gloves and shears and everything, just started weeding and it just felt so therapeutic for an odd reason and I just – I never do all that kind of stuff. So, And, like, people just suddenly find, you know, things that they've never actually what, been aware of before. What, yeah, like, but yeah. things they want to do as well. Like, I want to always walk, right? I, I, I've always said I, I love walking, but I just am was been so busy so I don't have time to walk. So over the weekend, mm-hmm. I actually, you know, uh, each day I, I, I walked around, you know, with, with my son and, and for, for about an hour. And I thought, this is so nice, you know, but, but it, 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 it took me – time to kind of really um think oh this is actually might be the norm norm now that mm. you have to find that you know that you have that time to walk yeah. for one hour with your family yeah. so you know so no, yeah definitely yeah <laughs> and I think it is we get so busy and and yeah. we we just take for granted but I think for me yeah it is it has forced me to reflect on how I operate yeah. and, you know, having that balance between work and the family mm-hmm. and um, and being at home more often now, um, well, all the time basically, yeah, just, <laughs> Literally, I, yeah. you know, just I realise some of the things that I, I've missed yeah. or the, the, this time of just sitting down and helping my daughter with some homework or, you know, um, bathing the baby, you know, like <laughs> so I've, I've, I've been away pretty much every second week um being I've been doing this for so long now you know my business turns five this year so congratulations um yeah you get you get into set 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 ways and behaviors so I don't think I'll ever go back to to that old way of of operating okay really so you you're thinking that already are you 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 kind of yeah wow okay I haven't missed I honestly haven't missed the travel um, the, the, the travel used to really disrupt my routine, you know, my routine of my eating, you know, and um, my sleep, mm. you know, being in ho- different hotels constantly and, um, and you know, just having really long days. So, you know, I'd have really exhausting long days and, yeah. um, and, and just sort of my fitness routine. So now that I've, you know, I can, I'm in the same place and being able to do the same things all the time. I really, I really appreciate that. Whereas my life is just hectic, you know, take the clothes <laughs> out of the suitcase, wash them and put them back in. Yeah. So are you going to pivot? Uh, do you see your, your business pivoting in, in, in any way? Yeah, we already have. We had to. We had to very quickly if we wanted to hold on to some contracts that we had. So we were really fortunate that um, two of our largest contracts, we talked to our clients immediately, and they let us take both um, both services directly to a virtual environment. So we're using Zoom to to deliver those. Um, they're both business advisory services that we do for small and small businesses and Indigenous businesses. Um, and so we're, de- we're just delivering them completely virtually um, now. So we're just in a process of you know, bringing the rest of our client base online to, to, to do everything virtual. We've got to run some pilots. 
Um, and yeah, it, it all seems to be to to be smooth sailing around that. Oh, great! Congratulations. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I know that we, we've got a time frame here because obviously you, I, I know that your little bub is going to wake up soon. <laughs> um, any any um, advice and tips for small business? Uh, I mean, you know, we, we are about diversity and inclusion. That's that's what our content is about. And it's about providing insights into, you know, people from diverse backgrounds who are actually, you know, similarly on, uh, you know, on that journey of, of, you know, trying to really assess about, you know, their business, what are some of the tips and advice you can give people? Yeah, I think just, you know, just realising you're not alone in this process. And I think it's it's probably useful to seek out the advice with a, with a mentor or coach during this time to have a sounding board to talk through. I think everybody's got to spend some time looking at their business model and thinking about, you know, what are the opportunities to pivot? I would, I would, um, I would say that you know that's probably key, and I, and I would say to people as well is, you've got to pivot fast and fail fast. So if you you know if you don't try, you're not going to know. You don't have the time right now to, um, you know, try and reinvent reinvent a whole um, new business or or diversify into new markets so so rapidly. But really, just thinking about okay, how how am I going to meet my clients' needs? What do I got to do around that? And just go and do it. Like I think that's probably the best advice. We in instantly in a day we went. We've got to go to online. Let's just do it. Let's talk to the client. Let's make it happen. And if you know, and and let them trial it. And so that's what we've just um, what we've what we've been able to do. But you know, just. Talking to somebody else, I think, really helps. I've been giving free coaching to Indigenous businesses and um, I advertise that I'd give five free coaching sessions away a week. In the first week last week, I was totally unindated. I actually gave out more than five. Wow. But in in those conversations, for me, it was really about, yeah, just talking through um, with the person around yeah, what their business model looked like and um, giving them an action plan of what they needed to do and how they needed to do it. So mm. I think that that's um, probably an imperative is just to seek out a business coach or, or a mentor for a, a sounding board and, and check out the eligibility against the government stimulus. Mm. Okay, good advice. Thank you so much for your time, Crystal. Um, you know, it sounds like you're um, obviously pivoting very hard and, you know, really working hard, but it's also finding time for yourself and for your family. Um, we wish you really, you know, good health and, and you know, stay, stay safe. Stay safe. Um, Healthy and happy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much for your time today on Dawncast. Um, thank you. Yeah, Thanks so, for having me. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll be in touch uh, down the track and see how you're going with your business. Thank you. So thank you um, to all for watching Dawncast today. My name is Dai Lee. And I'm Kathy Ngo. Thank you for watching and don't forget to subscribe to our channel so that we can see more fabulous content like this. And we're always keen to hear and learn about your story. So get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. See you then. Bye. See you.